This morning, we're presented with a reading from the wisdom of Solomon. And within it, in just a few words, we're given incredible insights and proclamations about the nature of God, as well as the world around us. In this reading, we see that creation is made for life, and it's to be life-giving. God's creative power is wholesome and good. In the stories of creation that we find in Genesis, this is echoed. God breathes the world into existence. God is the source of all life. God declares his creation good, and he intends for it to be so. God is revealed as loving, generous, compassionate, a God that is concerned about his creation, cares for his creation. God and humanity also share a relationship. Humanity is created in the image of God, given the ability to be creators, embodying creativity, acting within the world alongside God. So at the dawn of human life, humanity was created in the divine image and designed for relationship and incorruptible communion with God. However, it's through envy and death that humanity will be tested and pulled away from God. As we see in the reading this morning of the world, only life is breathed into existence. God is life-giving, and through him, immortal righteousness is received. Now, when we talk about God, we can only do so in the limits of our human capacity, our human capability. We use language that we've created, words. We write them or we speak them, but they're from us. And the only things that we can know about God are that which he has revealed to us. Christian theology is the study of the nature of God. But theology shouldn't lead us into a place of assuming God's perspective or judgment, but instead it should open us up to a deeper appreciation, a deeper experience and understanding of God. Theology should bring us into an encounter with the living God as we live our lives in the world. So when our knowing is opened to God, then it knows best. God is knowing. And encountering God's generosity brings us truth. In Christ, the human knowing is intertwined completely with the divine knowing. And so when people encounter Jesus in their lives, as we see in the gospel, they have their knowledge completely transformed. So due to this reality that's revealed in Christ, our understanding of the nature of God should begin with Jesus and work its way outward. But this will require us to reconfigure our understanding of sin and suffering, the goals of creation, God's work in the world completely reconfigured. The lens of salvation becomes the lens in which we perceive and understand the world and the nature of God. So to better understand the world and the problems that humanity faces and has faced, we must first see what is God doing? Suffering and brokenness, painful experiences of the human life are often seen as just the way that things are. However, when we begin through the lens of salvation, the most troubling aspects of human life are seen clearly for what they really are. These dimensions are being transformed in Christ. And we see that in our gospel today. Christ encounters the brokenness of humanity, but he transforms it, he overcomes it. 
So the ultimate truth of human existence is not found in our pain or in death. The woman today touches Jesus' clothes. She brings her suffering to him and he takes it. He takes on our sin and our suffering. Jesus tells Jairus' daughter to rise up. And in that moment, we get a glimpse of Jesus' ultimate power over death. God shows this power over suffering and death throughout the gospels in the life of Jesus and ultimately at the cross where he utterly destroys them, freeing humanity from its bonds. Now, in the world around us today, it isn't that hard to see despair or abuse or hardship, structures of violence and injustice and oppression plague the world around us. Even throughout the history of the world and even in the scriptures, we see a humanity that's obsessed with pride. It's obsessed with power and it separates itself from God. Humanity continually seeks to delve fully into the human world, into the human story. So God chooses to operate within our human structures, yet he operates against them and ultimately dismantles them. And when he does so, he reveals himself as the source of life, seeking to restore creation through love and mercy. So humanity wants to be God, but instead God humbly consents to join humanity in order to save and restore it. So when we make God small or we become judge and authority, we put God into a box. But when we trust in God, it frees us. And so the life of Jesus embodies perfect humanity, this perfect reflection of God's goodness, his love, his mercy, the image in which we're created, and also reveals to us the perfect trust that we're intended for. So when humanity does turn against its nature towards lies or fear, violence, pride, Jesus turns those things around. He turns them around with love and with mercy, redeeming us. So Jesus reveals God's nature, brings humanity back to God, back into relationship with creation, back into the calling to be in community and to love our neighbors. Only by entering into the structures of human power could God dismantle them. But God is incorruptible to the powers of humanity even beyond the point of death, as we see when the world is freed in Christ. So God calls us beyond these limits, beyond the limits of humanity that we did not even know existed. Operating within human knowledge often leads us to restrict ourselves to social, cultural, or learned behaviors that we find in the world around us. But being freed in Jesus allows us to turn away from pride, to turn away from a world that accepts injustice, accepts violence, and accepts death. We are led to encounter the world in the way that Jesus did, offering love and compassion to our neighbors. So we find that God's nature is self-giving. However, within human thinking, within our own human structures, appeasement is quite normal. Transactions, signs of power are normal. The weak appeases the strong, the rich get richer, an eye for an eye, judgments for wrongs, and so on, are all found within the human thinking and in our structures. However, this is the exact reason why it's so important that our theology begins with what happens in Christ and not where the world might have us start. 
Because often in its brokenness, the world can misguide us in directions that lead us to incorrect frameworks and restrict our understanding of God. Because it's through a completely self-giving act of love by God that humanity is freed from this zero-sum game we're so desperately clinging to. Jesus' death is not a punishment. It's not something that we can gain so that Jesus can lose. There's not a transaction. Jesus wasn't a pagan sacrifice, but a work of love and redemption. God's ultimate plan and work within the world and a gift of freedom by God's self-giving love. So it's not the case that the only thing that would save us from God's wrath was the death of Jesus. It was not that God was so angry with the world or that God so hated the world, but that God so loved the world. That God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. So if we choose to view Jesus as a solely substitutionary atonement, that Jesus replaces us in the wake of God's wrath and is punished instead of us in that transaction, then that allows that notion that that's just the way things are to exist. Because it plays into our human structures. It denies true justice. It denies true love, true redemption. Instead, through Jesus, the human structures that imprison us are dismantled out of love, out of a self-giving love. So we're freed and called into restoration with God and creation. And that's why the incarnation of Jesus is so necessary, so vitally important, because it joins our humanity with the immortal, incorruptible divinity of God. United in Christ's humanity and divinity, we're not only freed from sin and from suffering, but we're recuperated in our relationship with God, adopted into the restoration of our true and intended nature. So in Jesus, we find the sum of the human journey and what is achieved in the incarnation of Jesus in his life, his death, and his resurrection is not just simply a sign for humanity, but as we see in the Gospels, it's a transformation of humanity's condition, a transformation for the woman that touches Jesus' clothes and for Jairus' daughter, and that transformation reveals God's power. So it's in Jesus that we recover and are restored to the image of God. And it's through, that, it's through our faith that we're called by Jesus, as the woman and the father are called by their faith. In our humility and our openness to God, we'll find him. So our faith exists completely within the fabric of our lives, fully as emotional, intelligent, spiritual, moral beings. And as we see when the woman touches Jesus in the gospel, faith isn't about knowing or judgment. Her pursuit of Jesus is what brings her truth. Her pursuit of Jesus and the woman's faith are what bring her into an encounter with the living God. So a healthy faith trusts God. It allows God, for his, it allows God to work within us as God's infinite wisdom is poured out onto us, teaching us, revealing to us the true nature of God and the world if we are open to him. So we can encounter Jesus in the scriptures and within the world and even within each other. And if our faith is guided by love and a right heart, it animates trust and obedience to a God of love, a God revealed in Christ's witness as he animates love and obedience. 
A life-giving and authentic relationship with God encourages us to seek openness, not narrow-mindedness or self-isolation in our idols or self-isolation in our pursuits of power or in our pursuits of self-proclaimed truths that would take on the perspective of God and shrink God into the black and white view of our human structures. It's love and faith that draw us away from bigotry, cruelty, and hate. An authentic relationship with God draws us deeper towards a relationship that nourishes us even when we stumble and even when we fall because it encourages us to reflect in God's love and his forgiveness and God's humility. And so even in brokenness on our journey, we journey towards restoration, nourished by God's love, nourished, nourished by that relationship of, with God. And through that relationship and through our nourishment, we can reveal God to others in the world. So in Jesus, we discover that self-giving, loving, forgiving, and just God, right actions will echo the nature of God discovered in the scriptures and in Jesus, and our own faith will allow the world and our neighbors and those we encounter to discover the nature of God and Christ's love within us. So the God of truth exists far beyond our imagination, far beyond what our imagination can even begin to comprehend or fathom or create, but that God can still be known to us. He reveals himself in the world by communities and individuals who possess healthy faith. Jesus can be encountered by us, known to us, and found by us, even if the full nature of God is completely beyond us. Even if the mystery of the finality of Christ reaches to the ends of the globe and encompasses every human being on this earth and every human being that has ever existed in God's love and mercy in ways that we cannot even begin to understand, God can be encountered. Just as the woman and the father in our gospel today, they encountered, they knew, and they found Jesus revealed to them beyond their understanding through his love and through his mercy. We also can encounter God and be bearers of a faith that pours out of us with love. Amen.